This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. calls on the name of the Lord shall uh, be saved. But once we are saved, this is what we do. This is the proof that there's a seal on us. It's because what? We are being renewed day by day. We are pushing away uh, the, the iniquity. So the foundation, one of the seals on this foundation is that God knows who are His and that because of the Holy Spirit, we can grow closer to the Lord and we depart from iniquity. And that should be a heart's desire. What evidence is there that we are really saved after accepting Christ? In today's message, Pastor Eddie will teach on the powerful indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is because of the Spirit of God inside us that we're able to achieve great things for the Lord while on earth. Do you sense the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? He wants to work in and through you so that you might be a beaming light of Christ in your home and your workplace. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. As he continues his message, Approved and Disapproved Workers. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. By no means. And heaven and earth will pass because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my words be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. The word of God. Foundation. Now this solid foundation of God has a seal. A seal is a sign of ownership is a sign of ownership, and it's a twofold seal. It has a divine side to it, and it has a human side to it as well. Let us look at that. Verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. Number one, this is the first seal. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. Now, the reason why you see it in quotes is because the Apostle Paul is quoting most likely the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. If you know that story in the book of Numbers where it's called the rebellion of Korah and Korah rebelled against God and those that God has appointed and anointed as leaders and they rebelled and they tried to gather people with them. And so Moses tried to correct them and say, listen, don't do this. You don't know what you're doing because it's dangerous when you go against God. And he tries to plead with him. He said, listen, let's meet. Let's talk this over. He refused to talk, him and the people, those that were following him. And so this is what he said since the, he didn't want to reconcile and, and learn from Moses and understand the severity of what his accusations were. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 5, he says this, So tomorrow the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. The one whom the Lord choose, he will cause to come near to him. This is important. Because quite often, we need to be careful. The Lord knows who's his. You and I don't. 
Remember that. Because we have a tendency to look at others and see whether or not they're saved. Oh, she's not saved. Oh, he's not saved. Be careful. Yes, you will know them by their fruit. Yes, there'll be evidence. But let me tell you, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The Lord knows who's, who are his. You know, you might even look at someone who looks holy, sounds holy, acts holy, even smells holy, if there's such a thing. But we tend to follow people who have that. Remember, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to the one, I think he's one of the most dangerous, scariest passages in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 22, 23, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done wonders in your name? Wow. Just think about it. That's a resume better than yours and mine. And you can say, wow, this person is of God. But, verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You will be surprised when we get to heaven. I guarantee you, you will be surprised. Because we have that tendency to see who's going to go to heaven, who's not, who's the Lord, and who's not of the Lord. You know, I love, and I have it hanging in my office. Because as simple as, as it would be, I'm a creature forgetful. <laughs> we all forgetful. That's why the Bible's remember, 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 remember. Because we always forgetful. We forget. But it's a simple quote. Billy Graham quoted. He says, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It is God's job to judge. It is my job to love. That's your job. That's my job. We're not going to stand in the gates of heaven with Peter, even though Peter's not going to be there. We're not going to stand in the gates of heaven and say, okay, I don't remember you. Down in earth, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't look like a Christian. You didn't act like a Christian. You didn't talk like a Christian. That person, maybe in their last breath, on their deathbed, you know how many people have accepted Jesus Christ on their deathbed? Perfect example, the man of the cross. He was dying. He could have been 35, 40 years of age and his whole life, 40 years of life, could have been a blasphemer of God. But just before he gave up his spirit, before his, he died, he confessed his sins to the Lord. How many funerals of people we know that died that were heathens or pagans. And we say, oh, that's a funeral for so-and-so. I don't think he knew the Lord. Even that we need to be careful. Because that person that probably, you know, lived his whole life rejecting Jesus and did nothing but blaspheme God, he may have lived that life, but just before he died, he may have repented of his sins. And nobody may have known about it. Yet there's a funeral for this man, and people will say he died in his sins. Be careful. That is not your place. It's not my place. So God knows who's his. That's the first seal. God, the Lord knows those who are his. The second seal is, is of the human side. Look what it says. Let everyone who names the name of Christ apart from iniquity. This is something that we do. And the only way we could part from iniquity is being born again because you can't do it on your own. You can't be saved on your own. And that's the great thing about 
a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you surrender your life to Christ, he never will leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. You say you can't make it? Yes, on your own you can't, but through Jesus Christ. I could do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I have the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. I can be renewed day by day, and I could repent of my sins daily so that I may be right with God. And so those who call upon the name of the Lord, meaning those who are repented and turned their ways around, born again, they call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Whoever, not just the chosen, not just the elect, not just special people. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall uh, be saved. But once we are saved, this is what we do. This is the proof that there's a seal on us. It's because what? We are being renewed day by day. We're pushing away uh, the, the iniquity. So the foundation, one of the seals on this foundation is that God knows who are his and that because of the Holy Spirit, we can grow closer to the Lord and we depart from iniquity. And that should be a heart's desire. Everyone here, there's not a single person in this room, in the fellowship hall, in New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, or in the world, there's not a person who is perfect. We all have flaws. We all have weaknesses. Understand that. But we have the Holy Spirit to help us through it. You're still a child of God. He loves you. Don't ever feel that God has given up on you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the Greek, that's like a double negative. It means I will never, never, ever, ever. Well, that's a quadruple. But a never he would never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Here's what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed, here it is, you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You've been sealed. You're his. The seal in ancient times, even today, is seal. It meant it, it was ownership. And God put a seal on his church. He's put a seal on you when you surrender your life to him. You belong to him. All the darkness of this, of this world, the principalities, they see that seal. They see that seal. Now, this is important because we forget that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit because we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. When you're purchased by the blood of Jesus, it's like the receipt. Boom. That's my daughter. That's my son. That's my child. They belong. There's a seal. The Holy Spirit's in them. That's why, you know, listen. In the book of Revelation, you find that there are those that are sealed. Listen. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast cannot erase or take away your salvation. The only reason why you would have the mark of the beast if you denied Christ and want the mark of the beast. Okay? So because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, well, we're going to miss that. That's why I'm a pre-tribber. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. How many here believe that Jesus could come in any minute, any moment? You're pre-tribbers. There you go. Very simple. Did we have a great tribulation? I don't think so. Have you read the great tribulation? Read chapters 6 through 19. That's the whole picture of great tribulation. But you're going to find the whole church. The church is not there. Why? Because we're sealed. 
We own, we've been owned by the Lord. And let me tell you, also with that seal, it is an emblem of a guaranteed security. You belong to him, that's it. You know, when you buy a car, certified. You know, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Continue in faith. And he says, depart from iniquity. Now we looked at being sealed by the Lord. Now in verses 20 to 21, Verses 20 to 22, he's going to tell us what is a vessel of honor, a vessel of honor. We want to be a vessel of honor. We want to be used by God. The next two verses, 20 and 21, he's going to give us another a metaphor of a great, a great house, a great house. And in this great house, there are two categories of believers. Let's look at them. Verse 20 says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. And so this metaphor, Paul gives, he gives a, a, an imagery of a great house. And by using the word great house, he's talking about a large mansion, right? Jesus said, I prepare a place for your mansion, right? In my father's house, there are many rooms. And, and the idea is that it's not just for a single Christian or a local church. It's speaking about the universal body of Christ, the entire church of God. So in this great house of God, it's filled with gold and silver, right? Like the house would be filled with silver and gold utensils, but then you have things that are made out of wood and clay and, you know, like containers and garbage cans, right? So the vessels, the golden vessels, there's some vessels that are value. Some vessels in the house, they're value. Some have no value whatsoever. But here's the picture. The great house is the church, right? The gold and silver represents the believers, those who are faithful and useful in serving Christ Jesus, those who are honorable, okay? That's the gold and silver. Now, the wood and clay represents unbelievers, like who Paul is talking about, false teachers like Hamanaeus, Alexander, and Philetus, who had strayed from the truth. So they're no longer believers. And so they failed to honor God. So they're dishonorable compared to those who are honorable. Let's look at what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 and 15. He said, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clearer for the day will uh, declare it because it will be revealed by fire. In the same way, we see this text here, uh, revealed by fire. And the fire would test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone work which, is, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through the fire. In the same way, this is talking about Christians, not unbelieving Christians, that we, everything we do will be judged. Everything we do here on earth will be judged. And it's all going to burn down. And whether you're going to get awards or rewards, everything that you've done here on earth. But it's the same concept. Paul is using other Im imagery from believers and unbelievers. So he goes on in verse 21. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanse himself from the latter, meaning cleanse yourself from being dishonorable. No, separate yourself from false teachers, teachers who pollute and cause problems in the body of Christ, uh, who have turned away from the truth. They no longer believe the truth. And that is the only way you can enter the kingdom of heaven. The only way is by staying with the truth. 
If you read in the book of Romans, uh, you read chapters 9, 10, 11. Chapter 9 gives you the past of Israel. Chapter 10 gives you Israel's current state. Chapter 11 talks about Israel's future. But in those passages, you see Paul talking about us as Christians. We're Gentiles. We're being grafted in. We're being grafted in. And so he tells the wild olive branch who's being grafted into the olive branch. He says, listen, you're grafted in, so you say, but don't be hoardy. Because in the same way, those who didn't believe were cut off, you too will be cut off. Wait a minute. I thought once saved, always saved. Well, that's another topic. But, you know, again, I don't believe you can lose your salvation based on sin from backsliding. I believe you could walk away from your salvation. And to believe in Jesus Christ required belief. A constant belief, not turning away from the truth, because then you believe in another Jesus, and that other Jesus is not going to take you to heaven. There's a lot of Jesus out there. So anyway, that's a, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanse himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So when we cleanse ourselves from from what is dishonorable, we become vessels of honor to the Lord. And three beautiful things happen here in verse 21. For those who uh, separate themselves from such, number one, sanctified, meaning you're set apart. You're set apart. Number two, useful for the master. In other words, you'll be a serviceable. The Lord would use you because you, you can actually be used. You're setting yourself apart. The more you set up yourself apart from the world, the more God could use you. Because there's more God in you, not the world. And God doesn't want to feed his church worldly things. He wants to use God. people who want to separate themselves, sanctify, serve, and also you become a vessel of honor. You prepare for every good work. Every good work. It doesn't necessarily mean that every good work means a pastor, a leader, and people always tend to think that's the only ministry. No. You could be used at work. You could be used at school. You could be used anywhere. In McDonald's, in the parking lot of Walmart. If you want to be a vessel of honor, God can use you. Verse 22, we need to speed up here. He said, flee also youthful lust. Flee, a vessel of honor would flee from evil desires of youth. Example, you find in, in Genesis chapter 39, uh, when Joseph uh, ran away from Potiphar's wife, run. Now, just in case, you know, you think you're out of the loop if you're not young, <laughs> okay? Youthful lust does not only apply for youth because Lust affects all of us regardless whether we're young, old, or old. It's still there. And the idea here is not also even talking about sexual desires or sexual immorality. It goes beyond that because one could have a lust for money, for power, you see. And we need to run from this self-assertion, overriding ambition, which are fleshly things, by the way. So don't even think you're out of the loop because you're not youthful. And he said, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue this. You run from that, but you run to this, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. So when we flee from the fleshly things, but we pursue the spiritual things, and they are these virtues of faith, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Okay, that's what we're to run to in order to be a vessel of honor. Now, in verses 23 to 26, in verse 23, he says, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. In verse 16, he says, Shun profane and idle babbling. Here he says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Uh, to the point where, where in verse 16, it, it produces more and more ungodliness. Here, it causes an argument, like a heated argument. 
And we shouldn't be involved in these arguments. Agree to disagree agreeably. Okay? If it gets heated up, then listen, that's not of the spirit. It's of the flesh. You know, pray together. Say, let's pray about this. Let's just, let's just depart. Let's talk about this another time. Let's pray about it. And when we come back, let's pray again so that we could, you know, uh, really study the word of God. Because either you want to know the truth and I want to know the truth. Verse 24, and a servant of the Lord, literally means a Lord's bond servant, must not quarrel. That's to fight verbally, shouting match. That looks foolish. Now, it takes it extreme because people do. I've seen this. I've been over 20 years in ministry, and I've seen people argue over these things. So, are you arguing? What is it? I mean, you think they're arguing about sports, but no, they're arguing about the Bible. But, he said, but be gentle to some. No, be gentle to all, able to teach, patience in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Saints, listen, there will always be false teachers. False teachers were in the beginning at the birth of the church 2,000 years ago. They're still here now, and they will always be as long as the church is still here. There are a lot of false teachers, okay? They will always be divisive. They will always avoid the truth, the gospel. All they want to do is argue. They want to sound smart, depart from that. You know, it's sad that there are Christians that argue over things. I mean, sometimes essential things, you know, they argue doctrine. But meanwhile, you know, I'm saying, listen, you're, you're debating over here. You know, take, you know, that, that heart, that spirit that you have for the gospel, take it outside. You believe Jesus? I was, okay, again, you take the train, I'll take the plane. But there are people who haven't heard about Jesus Christ. I'm not going to argue Bible with people. I'm saying, hey, okay, you got it. Go figure it out. Listen, you're saved, right? Okay, I'll see you in heaven. Just get there. And it's, it's sad, but, you know, they're false teachers. But understand this. You know, we're to contend for the faith, yes, but don't argue. Don't argue. We know the truth. And if opportunity allows, if you could share the truth to even a false teacher, say, listen, this is what you say, but this is what the Bible tells you. Here, you read it. You open it up and say, hey, you read it. Go check it out. Here, read it out, and let's, let's, let's talk about it. Or if they say something that's in the Bible, say, okay, here, here's a Bible. All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you a day. How about call me tomorrow and see if you find it? You know, that's what we do. Because let me tell you, even though they're false teachers, the Lord loves them. Christ died for them. And that's why Paul see here, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. God forbid that any should perish. So saints, while we're staying the course and being approved by God to be a vessel of honor, an unshamed worker, and even a gentle servant to share the gospel, we glorify God in doing so. Amen. You've just heard another message from Pastor Eddie right here on Running the Race. We're so glad you decided to spend part of your day with us delving deep into God's Word to learn more about Jesus. The Apostle Paul made sure to leave no strings untied as he wrote a letter to Timothy, the man who would eventually take over Paul's ministry. It's no secret that we'll all face death someday, and sometimes we need to face that reality. That's exactly what's happening in this book of 2 Timothy. Equally important is keeping our focus on God and trusting that He used our life exactly how it was meant to be spent. 
There's much more to learn from this book and other books of the Bible, so be sure to visit runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, take some moments to look around. We have some great resources to help you in your study of God's Word. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. That's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to being with you again on the next edition of Running the Race. I'm reaching-